The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. All right, welcome to our Palazzo Podcast Prospects Half Hour. Uh, I am your co-host, Benjamin Chase. As you can see, I do not have our normal co-host, Michael Govier, with me today. Instead, I have uh, Baseball America's Kyle Glazer with me. And so, with that, I will... uh, Kick it to Kyle, and we're going to start with the Mariners. Kyle, can you tell me, this system has has been really good over the last few years, and a lot of this has been international guys, and obviously everyone knows what Julio did. Uh, that was amazing last year, I mean, to come up and do what he did. But, you know... They've obviously done some right things in the draft, too. Yeah, and this so, is a, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Let's start with your top three, I guess. It's kind of go from there, and, like, we can start with that. Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, we have to address the fact the Mariners have really done well in every avenue. You look at their team last year. You look at Cal Raleigh. You look at Logan Gilbert. You look at George Kirby, all guys through the draft. You look at Julio Rodriguez, obviously at the international signing. You look at the guys they traded to go get, um, you know, Luis Castillo at the deadline, Edwin Arroyo and Noel Marte, a draft kind of international guy. Um, they did a good job, high school, college, international, and um, that's why they were our number one farm system in baseball last year. A lot of those guys have graduated, and now you look at this system and – you know, it's obviously not as deep as it was because, again, you graduated a bunch of really good players to the major leagues, traded a bunch of others to go get some pieces to help you compete, which is what you're supposed to do. So um, the system is down a little bit, but you still have two really good players at the top that are kind of, I would say there's a clear-cut number one in this system, and that's Harry Ford. He was their first rounder last year, or I should say 2021 now. Um, last year in 2022, his first full season at Loa Modesto was playing through some injuries early and had really struggled. But if you look at his numbers from June one on, he was one of the best players in the minor leagues, really athletic, controls the zone, has more power than you think, has a field to hit, you know, defense has a ways to go, but he's the consensus number one in this system, you know, two, three, four, um, there, there's a little bit of debate, right? We talked about this a lot with evaluators, both inside and outside the Mariner system. I saw a lot of these guys. Cole Young and Bryce Miller, along with Gabriel Gonzalez, kind of separated themselves out as numbers two, three, four. 
Um, a little bit of a pick between Miller and Young at number two, I think, depending on what side of the bed uh, you wake up on a, on a certain day. Um, and then Young and Gonzalez, three, four, both are both pretty fair. You know, ultimately we went, again, Harry Ford's the clear-cut one. We went Cole Young, two, uh, Bryce Miller, three, Gabriel Gonzalez, four. You know, if I were to redo it today, would I maybe flip Miller and Young? Possibly, but that would really be the only change. I think you do kind of have a fairly clear-cut top three with, with Gonzalez kind of on the fringes of it, but um, if you want to make him your number three, you can, but I feel pretty confidently that Ford, Young, and uh, and Miller are the guys based off our reporting and what we've seen. Uh, ben, I think I lost your audio. I cannot hear you. That it, yeah, there we go. Okay, I kind of did that intentionally for my own ears purposes. All right, <laughs> all right. So there the but uh, but I had the same. I had uh, Ford and Miller on there, um, but I also included Hancock, uh, Emerson Hancock, and a big big reason for me is I still think there's. A mid rotation there uh with Hancock, but you know, they've kind of got a glut of pretty solid pitchers right now that are kind of hitting that double A level for them. Um and I don't know if I'm gonna pick a guy who I think in that group probably has a pretty decent floor of a starter. Hancock is maybe that guy. Uh but you know, the one thing I will say is Hancock kind of fits into, there's a number of guys from that 2020 draft class that have really come out of that and not shown anywhere near what they were coming into that draft. Yeah, and that's just a function of we got such a limited look at them. You talk about yeah. a normal draft cycle, right? You guys, you have guys that put together full season. A lot of guys take jumps in their junior springs in college, or a lot of guys sort of, don't do what you thought they were going to do in terms of the jump they've taken. And, you know, Everson Hancock, I'll say this, based on everything he has shown so far, even the Mariners internally um, see his ceiling as a back of the rotation starter, a number four or five. Evaluators outside, they don't really see the floor of a starter. They see a, a floor of a, a long relief type. I wouldn't even say floor. I mean, they see that might be what he is. But I think you have to give him credit for he's performed well with, you know, stuff that's been okay, not great. Uh, he can really pitch. There, there's a lot of, you know, just kind of natural feel for moving the ball around and, and knowing what to throw in what situation at a high execution level, which counts for something. Um, the hope internally with the Mariners is, you know, if he can stay healthy again, as he did most of last year, he missed the start of the year, but he stayed healthy once he got back on the mound. They can start doing some things with him to help his pitches play up a little bit. Um, namely, his slider just lacks power, lacks velocity and power. So they're talking about reshaping it, doing some things to maybe add a little more oomph to it. I think if that happens, then maybe we can see that that mid-rotation starter type. But again, he, he's a good pitcher. He was very clearly in our top five. He wasn't really in top three consideration for us just based off our discussions and also some of the data we have and um, our own looks. So I think at the end of the day, he's he's going to be fine. He's not bad, but these other guys have a chance to be, you know, impact above average everyday players. To this point, Hancock doesn't quite reach that level. He's more of a, a solid-ish guy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I guess the next the thing to move from there on is to move into that next group of three. And you already mentioned kind of your number four guy. Uh, so who would be your next three then? Yeah, I mean, G- Gabby Gonzalez and Emerson Hancock fall in there for us again. Um, two good players. Gonzalez, you could certainly dream. Uh, there's some things that we need to see how he progresses. He's just a, a bigger kid uh, who's getting, you know, just larger and slowing down. And uh, the main question with him is just going to be how does he develop physically? And you can see it going a couple different ways. If he ends up, you know, staying the size he is, replacing, you know, some of maybe the the, the bad weight with good weight with muscle, um, you know, he can be a big mashing corner guy. But if it continues to go the way it has been going, where it just keeps getting heavier and heavier and heavier, you know, there could be some problems. But he's got electric bat speed, really good hands. Um, you see huge raw power. Um, he's a solid athlete for his size. There's a lot of things to like. There's just more question with him than I think um, some people that are on the outside might assume there is. And then, you know, for us, one of the things to note about the Mariners as an organization is they've done a really, really good job with their starting pitching and developing pitchers and helping them get Mm -hmm. better and add velocity. And we talk about, you know, Kirby and, uh, and Logan Gilbert, I mean, those are two first rounders. The Mariners help get better. But they've also done a good job with guys who are more unheralded or guys they've acquired in trades, you know, even at the big league level. And Taylor Dollard is sort of a guy that, you know, there's nothing overly sexy about him, but he has consistently been successful. Everything keeps getting a a little bit better. Uh, The fastball velocity and movement both ticked up a little bit last year, kind of compounded to to make it a, a solid fastball. It's a really good slider he can turn to at any time. Um, really good feel for pitching. You know, he ultimately got the nod for us as as kind of the last of those next three guys. There's other guys in there, right? Brian Wu is someone that people are very, very excited about. And, and you watch him. He's really athletic, really good fastball, really good delivery. But he's had trouble staying healthy and, and has to show he can maintain it over a full season. And Michael Arroyo is is a really, really exciting young infielder who can really, really hit. I mean, he's certainly a guy that if you want to kind of just take a flyer on pure upside, you could certainly make him the pick. Um, and then Prelander Barroa has really good stuff, had a really good year last year. He's a pure 100% believer. There is no chance to start. Even the Mariners acknowledge that. He is a 100% fastball slider, seventh, eighth inning guy. And who knows, maybe he can close. Um, so again, I, I think for us, it was, I would say the next three, Gonzalez and Hancock are, are firmly in there. Dollard versus Wu was probably the the spot, uh, the conversation for, for the next spot with maybe some Michael O'Reilly consideration. That would, that would be kind of our next tier, if you will. And I guess for me, I had, you know, I didn't have Young in the top three. And so he ends up for me falling in this group. Um, and I guess more than anything not just talent just I guess I kind of I wonder with that system and it's not really a knock as much on young as much as it's going to get to be a point where you know they did a good job of kind of shipping out some of the they the depth they had in that system but reps are going to get to be a little bit of an issue at the lower level at shortstop and Uh, you know that teams figure that. that out you yeah, know, teams will figure that out. They and always he's going to be the priority too. I mean, as a first rounder, yeah. they gave a lot of money. If there's a glut, you know, he will he will get the reps over other guys. It's other guys mm-hmm. that have to make room for him. But I mean, I mean, they got guys. You know, 
uh, Celestin is I might be butchering his name, but you know that was one of the top uh, international free agents this winter. And then you know you got Axel Sanchez. I don't know if he's going to even stick it short, but good hands from what I've seen, and at least yeah. could work on the left side. You know he could slide over to third fairly well. And uh, if anything, it would be Sanchez's. Sanchez is much more the mere, the, the pure shortstop than Cole mm-hmm. Young is. Realistically, what you're going to see this year is um, Axel Sanchez will be the shortstop at high A, Cole Young will be the shortstop at low A. So they'll be staggered. Um, you know, if Young gets promoted and crushes it, you know, they're going to want to keep him short as long as they can. So if Sanchez is really struggling for some reason, I would expect to see Young get the reps at short. But I mean, they're going to be at different levels, and Selston's going to be in the DSL. He's he's not going to be. They're going to have a nice group of shortstops, kind of staggered throughout the minors. There's not going to be too much conflict for playing time. And again, I, I think ultimately, you know, Sanchez is the guy who's a no doubt shortstop. Young, mm-hmm. they even they acknowledge long term is probably more of a second baseman, but he can play short well enough. They're going to give him the reps there. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about it. He's a priority guy for them, and he's the guy that's going to get you know. The reps over anyone else and you kind of think josh hood is i mean gonna i saw him kind of as utility yeah. future profile but i mean i don't know if he's going to play a lot of short or probably he's immediately gonna, go into that utility profile some of it's going to depend on the team he's on again if yeah. it's cole young and josh hood cole young is going to get the reps at short yeah. josh hood's going to be the guy moving around he's a really good athlete who can play a lot of different positions. Um, again, it's kind of like a Chad Pinder projection okay, if you yeah. are really hopeful about it and you know play you know almost anywhere on the diamond. So again, so it's going to depend on where they break camp, who's performing well, who gets promoted, who doesn't. If you know, we do see sometimes you know say Cole Young's a starting shortstop, Josh Hood is bouncing around, you know, spelling him a day a week and, and moving around a bit, and then Cole Young gets promoted, Josh Hood does become the everyday shortstop. So. A lot of it's going to depend on player movement, but but again, young, young is the priority guy here for sure. It's it's a good problem to have as a system. I mean, to yeah. have that kind of a depth to where you're going, oh gee, I wonder who's how do we get reps for everybody, you know? And this is after they got you know traded away two really good shortstops in that deal last year with the Reds, you know that you know are elite level shortstops, and they still have this kind of a depth thing going on. So. Yeah, you know, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, Mar- Marte really was a third baseman. He wasn't, yeah, really oh, yeah, yeah. Up, but, but yeah, two really good prospects. And, and yeah. yeah, again, the, one of the things even the Mariners talked about is after uh, Edwin Arroyo got traded, he was at low in Modesto, and Axel Sanchez got moved up to replace him. Even they were shocked by how good Axel Sanchez was. Even they didn't mm-hmm. anticipate that at all. They were blown away by it. So, yeah, no, it's it's always a good problem to have when you have players performing really, really well to the point that. It's beyond even what you expected. <laughs> yeah. So now we've we've saved enough time to maybe get through a little bit of the Dodgers. I don't think we're going to dig into anywhere near enough on the Dodgers because we know just how deep this system is. Yeah. But so let's start off, Kyle, with your top three Dodgers prospects. Yeah, this was a really clear top three for us. Um, you know, Diego Cartai and Bobby Miller are kind of 1A and 1B in this system. Um, they're the players that are just so physically talented that as much as the Dodgers have a, a lot of really good players in this system, 
Uh, the physical ability these two guys have is just at a different level. Uh, so they were they were kind of our clear cut numbers one and two. Miguel Vargas, there was a little bit of love for him to be number one just because he's just such a good pure hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, again, ultimately we just went back to the, the physical ability that Cartaya and Miller possess is just above and beyond anyone else in the system. And then Vargas um, is very clearly the the best of the next in terms of again this is a guy who projects to hit. Two, I mean, if you're light on him, 280 with 30 doubles and 15 homers a season, and I think realistically it'll be close to 290 with 40 doubles and 20 homers a season. It'll be a really, really good hitter who makes up for you know some of his defensive shortcomings. So, mm-hmm. again, this was uh, kind of a clear-cut top three for us, and you know, there's not a whole lot we would change if we were to do this again today. And he's, you know, you with Vargas, I think he's the type of guy. I don't think people recognize for him the speed that he has, the raw speed that he has. Because I think right now you could legit put a plus on his speed tool. Oh, yeah. He I had mean, the second highest sprint speed on the Dodgers last year compared to only Trey Turner and the yeah. fifth highest in their entire system, which is remarkable because he didn't used to be that guy. When Miguel Vargas came over, you have to remember – he left Cuba in 2015. He didn't sign with the team until 2017. So he, those two years, he was training, working out, but it's not the same as, you know, being with an organization, having access to their facilities, being mm-hmm. on their, you know, a, a strict diet regimen. He was pretty heavy when he came over. He did not move well. He was a 40 grade runner. And, and you know, the natural assumption was, okay, he's probably just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And to his credit, he really remade his body. I mean, to the point where last year when he arrived at the Futures game in LA, I was shocked. I, I mean, I barely recognized him. He'd become this yeah. tall, skinny, lanky, athletic dude, which is not who he was when he first came over. And that's a testament to him. And also another reason why you, you run him up a little bit is a guy who's getting more athletic and, mm-hmm. and shows you that work ethic and that dedication on top of being one of the most gifted hitter, hitters in the minor leagues. That generally tends to work out pretty well in terms of, of the type of career yeah. um, he projects to have, which is ultimately what these prospect rankings are. You know, people talk about oh, is it trade value or prospect value? There's no such thing as prospect value. It's who will have the best major league careers in yeah. order of, of who will be the best big leaders. That's what all these rankings attempt to do. Attempt, yeah. That's And that's the big thing is we can always say, you know, this is our, but it's a moment in time. It's a moment in time and we're attempting to say going forward from this moment in time, this is what we think it'll be. You know, because we don't know what, God forbid something catastrophic could happen tomorrow that really changes the outlook on some somebody that you and I are talking about today that that could d- drastically change something for somebody tomorrow. And we don't know that, you know, and right. that's just the downfall of it all. Um, my top three were Cartaya and Vargas for sure. Now here's, I, I have Gavin Stone up there and the only big difference there is I think Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller are, probably to me the clear one two on the Dodgers as far as their pitching and if you were to ask me that's their for sure three four on their system and I think it's a real I if you I think Miller has the best raw pitch mix by far is of their pitching prospects I don't think that's even close of the Dodgers pitchers I think he's absolutely got the best raw pitches but 
I'm a sucker for a changeup, a really <laughs> sexy changeup. And Stone's yeah. changeup is just, it is one that you you watch that changeup and it's just, it's so fun to watch yeah. hitters just shake their heads after swinging <laughs> through it because they just, they can't do anything with it. And Yeah, no, it, it is absolutely, it's a 70 degree changeup. I mean, there's no question about it. Gavin Stone's a really, really good pitcher who uh, continues to get better. And yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where, again, Bobby Miller, there's just a, a level of physical ability that's just kind of above and beyond uh, in terms of physicality, the, the four pitches that are all plus or better, two of them potentially 70s if you really like them. And and people seem to have missed that Bobby Miller had a lower walk rate than Gavin Stone last year. People mm-hmm. seem to have missed that. Um, at pitching at, at higher levels the whole year because Stone started at high A. They eventually ended up the same level, but Miller's innings in total were, were all at higher levels. I think the thing with Gavin Stone that you really like is the execution level is so, so, so high. And that's where you, know, you talk to people both inside and outside the Dodgers system. And again, seeing a lot of them myself and looking at all the data we have available to us, just kind of getting that, that holistic view. Red alert, red alert, commercials incoming. Please be prepared to ignore them. These people are not your friends. These messages are intended to make you feel bad or that something is missing from your life. Red alert, commercials incoming. Prepare to enable the use of your 15 second skip ahead button. You are in terrible peril. Red alert, red alert, commercials incoming. In three, two, one. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. If you like Gavin Stone better, there were hitters in the Texas League who faced both of them and said they thought Stone was a tougher at bat just because the execution level was so much higher. Mm-hmm. And I think it just comes down to, you know, do you believe Bobby Miller will, will continue to hone that? Um, a lot of people think he will. You trust the Dodgers pitch, pitcher development to help him get there. And ultimately, you know, he has a chance to be a, a number two starter. Stone's really good. I, I think it's more that three, four range. Again, if you have a number two starter, number three starter, you're in great shape as an organization. Yeah. You have those kind of pitchers. Yeah. This is not about, you know, oh, Gavin Stone is bad because of X. No, Gavin Stone's really, really, really good and should have a really good career. I think if you if you say that Gavin Stone will have a better career than Bobby Miller, it's because you believe his execution level is just so much higher. And Miller might be that hard throwing guy who flashes it to you but frustrates you where you know stone almost every start out is going to be consistently at least solid if not better which is a totally fair argument to make ultimately for us um you know i'm a big believer bet on bet on the talent and that's Mm -hmm. what we did with that but again it's not crazy to say you think gavin stone will have the better big league career just because you believe in the consistency of the execution my only thing on miller right now and and this couldn't I'll admit that this entirely is on my bias and what I've seen when I've watched him on, you know, on MILB TV is he seems when he misses, it's to toward the heart of the plate. 
which means it gives a better chance for a hitter to really tag it. And not that I've ever seen him really get rocked hard, but that he's, I've seen him give up hits that ended up getting bled through and he ended up getting knocked out of a game a couple of times just because you give up enough bleeders because he would, it would miss his spot, but he'd miss it to the middle of the plate. And that allowed a guy who obviously couldn't deal with his raw stuff, but you swing your bat to the middle of the plate and you caught the ball and you at least were able to squeeze through a, a bouncing dribbler. And that's, you know, I just thought, you know, gosh, it's just such good stuff to miss like that, you know, to miss into the middle is a, frustrating problem and I remember I grew up a Braves fan and I remember when Smoltz used to have that problem he always missed to the stinking middle of the plate and then he figured out hey you know if I miss down if I miss you know part of that was when Maddox came on board in 93 all of a sudden you saw Smoltz start missing to the edges and it made him a different pitcher and you you can't miss a huge thing Exactly. Look, you can't miss over the heart of the plate. And again, you look at Bobby Miller, we talk about this great stuff he has. And you say, well, heck, why does he have a four and a half ERA in double A? And, and that's all fair. There are definitely things he has to work on. But again, I think it comes back down to, you know, guys get better, guys make adjustments. Uh, we have to remember, too, with Bobby Miller that, you know, he only got one year as a real starter at Louisville. He was bouncing back and forth mm-hmm. between the rotation his first two years and his one year as a starter he only got four starts before the pandemic shut down the season and then his first you know full season of pro ball last year he was limited to 56 to 30 innings by uh i forget what injury it was i i need to i it, you're laughing it's last handbook cycle takes me a while to remember what was what but you know this type of injury he hasn't had that many innings as a starter yet so a lot of those things you know, the pitchability the feel the consistency the command you know not just missing, but, you know, missing down, missing where you can't get hurt, things that come with experience. He hasn't, this isn't like a guy who had three years as a starter in college and has had two full seasons in the minor leagues. Like he's still learning how to do this. He's still learning how to turn a lineup over multiple times and be consistent, taking the ball every fifth day. So I think for me, it's you trust the talent, give him time to figure it out. And look, maybe he doesn't. That's absolutely a possibility. Nothing is should ever be stated in absolutes when it comes to prospects. Um, but ultimately for us, again, we just went back to there's a level of physical ability there that is yeah. just on a different level. So and ultimately we yeah. trusted that. So, you know, we mentioned Stone. I'm guessing you go into your next three. He's probably somewhere in that yeah. grouping for you. Yeah, so you know, we mentioned kind of the the Cartaya Miller Vargas trio was was really our clear cut top three. Um, again, with Cartaya Miller kind of one A one B, Vargas number three. But this next group, you know, Michael Bush, Ryan Pepio, Gavin Stone. You can switch these three up any way you want. I look at how I did it, and I'm like. I can see why I did it that way. If I were to redo it today, would I do it differently? Yeah, probably. They're just, if you get the Baseball America Prospect Handbook, you will see all three of these guys have the exact same grade on them. The same grade, the same risk, everything. They really are interchangeable in a lot of ways. Um, And it just comes down to kind of, you know, 
personal preference a little bit, but but they're all right there. They're all the same bucket. We've talked about Stone a lot. Really good pitcher as he has to be a mid rotation starter. You know, Michael Bush finally was completely healthy for a season last year and and showed yeah. some of what we saw in terms of his, the hitting ability, the power. You know, the defense is getting more and more playable. Is it great? No. Is it ever going to be great? No. But he had a really, really good last, good year last year at Double A, Triple A, and I think he doesn't quite get the credit he deserves for how good of a year it was. Yeah. And then Ryan Pepio is someone who, again, he frustrates you because you see the big stuff, but strike throwing is, is an issue. But I think it's important to look at. He keeps treading in the right direction. Uh, he really had a really, really good year last year at Triple A. Came up to the majors. Obviously, the control was more scattered than you want it to be. It wasn't great, but. He was still effective, you know, all things considered for a first go around through the majors pitching for a, a first division team. He did pretty well. And I think sometimes um, people almost forget about prospects once they've hit the big leagues and had a good year at AAA and get super excited about the guy in low A. It's like, no, the guy in AAA is the better prospect. The level of baseball he's competing at is significantly better than what the guys in low A are seeing. And so I think that there's a little bit of fatigue on Pepio, which is silly. He was only drafted in 2019 and missed a year. I mean, he got to the majors in a perfectly reasonable timeline. Um, all three of these guys are, are on their way to being good big leaguers. Again, there's there's error bars, injuries happen, but um, all three of these guys have a chance to be, you know, the type of players who, who you can roll out on a winning team every day and, and feel pretty good about your chances. Not as your best players, but as, as really can help you. And, you know, Pepio really they've got a group of guys beyond you know you could throw him in and then you go down you know your nick nastrini your your frasset your emma sheehan i mean i really like river ryan as a guy yep. i mean they, they've got a group of pitchers that would be a top pitcher in a lot of systems that are the third fourth fifth tenth pitcher in their system and they would be the number one pitcher on a lot of pretty decent systems. I mean, not maybe not your Cleveland, maybe not, you know, a lot of pitching strong systems, but man, they've got a, a wealth of pitchers that I think a lot of people just don't understand how deep this pitching is that, well, geez, you know, that, that, you know, Nick Frasso's just, he's like the fourth or fifth best pitcher on the Dodgers. Well, that doesn't mean he isn't exceptionally talented, you know, and that's just the whole thing is you have to understand that this is a really, really talented young arm that just, he happens to be stuck behind some really exceptionally talented young arms as well right now. And it's all going to work itself out eventually. It's just a matter of, he also happens to be on a team that wins every year and, so they just don't have a lot of we can let you learn it at the big league level exactly either. So Yeah. I mean, but he also is really young. He's not ready for the big leagues. I mean, he's, no. he's got a oh, no, no. Yeah, I think it's like where, you know, letting him, you know, last year was his first year back from Tommy John or first mm -hmm. full year back from Tommy John and um still has to work on, you know, command of the secondaries, you know, slider change up, but it's in there and he's a great athlete with an impact fastball. Yeah, I, I mean again, Emmett Sheehan again dynamic fastball that's going to play really well out of a bullpen and if you go down i mean you mentioned river ryan really good you know ronan cop is six seven arms and legs you know good stuff in one and two inning stints like he's not a bad prospect either well the california league pitcher of the, of the year award last year i mean there, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys in here position players and and pitchers that you look at and say yeah 
this guy's another system. He's probably eight to 10 spots higher. And it just an average system, let alone mm-hmm. a bad system. He might be significantly better. I think about our, our worst system. I mean, so the, the Braves are our, our number 30 farm system. And again, it's just because yeah. they've done everything right. They've graduated guys, traded guys. They have a winning team in the majors. It's not an indictment of them. It's just the function of where they are right now. I mean, would Nick Frasso, the Dodgers' number 11 prospect, be the number one prospect in the Braves system over A.J. smith Shaver? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think that's very, very likely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would yeah, I, I would have a hard time not saying so. Yeah. yeah. So for me, the next three, uh, you know, I had Stone up there instead of Miller. So, you know, flip flop those. But, and then I also have Bush in my next three, but then I also have Andy Pies. And boy, watching him come into spring this year, he's leaned down notably from what I've seen him before. And it's just watching him the couple of times I had a chance to see him it looks like it's helped him a lot in his ability to move around the bases. And Absolutely. That's, that's been a negative for him in the past is his, his raw speed. Cause defensively he has decent instincts out there. He plays above his speed defensively, but if he has the ability to at least give you something on the base paths, along with some of the most ridiculous power that's in the minor leagues right now, and an arm that's, definitely at the top of the scale i mean yeah that hit tool's probably still going to be uh you're questioning if it'll get to average but boy it's the rest of the package if you can have the rest of that package geez it's that's a fun guy to dream on if he can just hit enough the rest of that is getting to the point where that's a really fun player to dream on yeah, no, I, I think the biggest thing is how he came into camp, right? So, look, he did not have a good year last year. He just didn't. Yeah. Power was there, but guys who hit 230 in AA, they don't hit 230 in the majors. They hit 190 in the majors. They're, they're not mm-hmm. playable, especially outfielders. I, I've done this study over and over and over. Even the guys you think of as fourth outfielders all hit 270, 280 in the minors. The starters hit 300. I mean, it's especially with the reorganization and the gap between the minors and majors now, like, you know, people's equivalencies are off a little bit. I mean, you pretty much, if you're not hitting 280 in the minors, you're, you don't project to be a starter in the majors. That's just the way it is right now. If you can't hit that level of pitching, you're not going to hit big league pitching. That all said, he looked a lot better in the fall league, but even, you know, getting up on him in the fall league and talking to him, he, he'd gotten way too big. You could see it was not good weight um, just all around, and it was not going in the direction you wanted it to. You know, he came into camp this year. Uh, he says he's lost 25 pounds. It also looks like more. I mean, from an outside yeah, view, it looks 30, 30 or 40. And yeah, I mean, that explosiveness, you know, he, he's able to cover more ground in the outfield, all the base paths, you know, and it might help him in the box too. There are times bigger guys, their swings get out of whack just because, you know, they can't get their hips through the zone and their bodies mm-hmm. aren't the way they're supposed to. And everything's a little slow and sluggish. I think with him, it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, he he was our number seven. He's just off of our you know top six, so to speak. And again, some of that is, hey, let's give Pepio some credit for what he did last year. I don't think people are giving him enough. But yeah, I mean, Pa has again I, even an average hit's probably a little rich. If you if you believe in him, it's a forty five. I think it might end up a forty. It's but you're hoping for that that right fielder who hits two thirty with thirty homers and plays good defense for you. We, we do see that guy in the major leagues. Now, not always for a first division team like the Dodgers, but we do see that guy and, and you know, they could do some things for you. So he's certainly intriguing and, and it's not crazy to have him in that range. Again, we had him, you know, number seven just outside, but yeah, he's, he's 
moving in the right direction physically, and then we'll see if that translates through his production yeah. of the box this year. He was a guy that I know a lot of people coming into last year really believed in coming off of his 2021, and then he just kind of fell pretty hard last year. And like I said, I, I I know looking at him, I wondered if he had hit the weight room in a bad way. Like, you know, I, I'm a former Big Ten offensive lineman, and I kind of looked at him and I thought, you know, I think somebody got a hold of him and put him on an offensive lineman's workout because it just looked like he was bulking in the wrong spots for baseball. You know, it wasn't all bulk. I mean, there was, it was, oh, it yeah, was yeah, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, but no, you're right. It's actually not terrible. It, it, I can see what you're getting at that. Yeah. It was almost like an offensive lineman build with the way the, the midsection was going. Yeah. I can mm-hmm. see that. And so I mean, there, there's you having it in your butt and your quads isn't a bad thing as a baseball player, having it in your chest. There's really not a lot of functional things as a baseball player that you can get out of doing a lot of bench pressing. It yeah. just, it just doesn't. Well, do again, my, my concern was more the gut, and it wasn't the muscle. <laughs> there was, oh, there yeah. was, oh yeah, there was, yeah. That, that was more my concern than anything else. <laughs> yeah, um, and and it affected his play, and you could see it too. Right, and that's where coming in like he has, you feel better about it. So yeah, no, he's he's moving in the right direction physically, which is what you want to see. So, well, are there any other? I mean, obviously, we could talk about Dodgers for a long time. I. I was asked to make sure I brought up and I'm going to, is it Josue de Paula? Yeah. Okay. I was told I needed to bring him up because he is, you know, everyone's favorite quote unquote sleeper prospect. I don't know if he can sleep on a guy that everyone's talking about is, you know, the outside the top 10, everyone, he's going to be the next big thing sort of guy, but you know, he really has caught a lot of eyes this spring on the backfields and everywhere else so yeah no i mean he was someone last year in the dominican summer league that people were very 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 impressed by it's a beautiful left-handed swing he's got power now and there's more coming as he gets bigger and stronger develops physically um he's he's a really 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 impressive young hitter and the type of guy you can dream on again a, a impact middle of the order type you know left-handed hitter who hits for average and power i mean that that's obviously really really exciting again it's the dsl we see a lot of guys who mm-hmm. look incredible in the dsl as soon as they get stateside or even you know they still look good in the arizona league but then they get the full season ball and, and it falls apart on them there's just so many things that can happen and the, the gap in the talent levels is, is so 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 wide it's, it's a lot for people to kind of make that jump so you know, you want to be a little conservative with it and wait till he gets stateside just because there's a lot that can happen. But in terms of what he has shown so far, yeah, again, you, you absolutely believe in the swing and the projectable power, and, and there's a lot to like. You know, what's it going to look like defensively? His biggest proponents see a corner outfielder first baseman just as he's going to grow. You know, he's, he's not a bad athlete in terms of his straight line speed, but it doesn't play on the field. He's not a great... No. You know, baseball athlete, um, you know, instincts, reads, reactions, roots, et cetera. Maybe that's reps, but again, just the way he projects to fill out physically, it's a corner outfielder first base. And there's some people who say, you know, this might be a guy who just bulks up and he might end up looking like Jordan Alvarez. And all he can do is play DH, but he might also be able to hit like Jordan Alvarez. And if he does, guess what? It's still an MVP candidate. Yeah. Again, that's the hundred percentile, you know, pie yeah. in the sky outcome. We should never put that on anyone in the DSL. But 
you know, I think the overall point is he's going, he, he projects to hit so much that it doesn't matter if he's a DH first baseman, left fielder, right fielder. And you just have to kind of give it time, but he's very, very promising based on everything he's shown. Again, he's just, he was 17 in the DSL. So I think it's important to let him grow, give him time, let it happen naturally rather than, you know, get so excited. We start jumping the gun and, and running him up before, you know, he has a chance to even play. Yeah. And that's part of the deal is, you know, you have someone coming from DSL, they're at best three years from the majors. You know, if they really accelerate a timetable, they're three years from the majors. Yeah. Then those are, those are the guys who are the outliers that, that do that even realistically yeah. four or five. Yeah. Minimum. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like the, the outliers are the ones who go up in three. So, I mean, yeah. you know, so you're talking about a guy who's a long ways away and that's if he checks all the boxes all the way along and that's going to require a lot of, positive things and you're also talking about a system that has a lot of guys kind of like him we just talked about Pais ahead of him you know that are similar in you know there's a Josh Outman who you know can't seem to crack into the outfield and has a lot of you know you mean J- J- James out sorry A's, uh, old yeah. uh, old A's pitching prospects out there I remember Josh oh, geez, yeah <laughs> great name for a great name for a pitcher yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, but yes, that's who I meant. But yes, that I mean, that's you know, there there are guys that can't they can't seem to get to crack into the you know into their regular rotation into their regular lineup because they have such a depth of talent and you know there's a lot of guys. I mean, we've seen their Jose, uh, Jose Ramos who came and looked just similar two, three years ago that, geez, this guy's going to set the world on fire. And he's, he's had his moments, but it's, you, you're kind of starting to see some things get exposed as he's getting into full season and upper level ball. And that's, yeah, again, Ramos is, is really, even, even in the rookie levels, you know, there was a conversation of, Hey, he can crush a fastball. He's a good athlete. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's got huge power, all good things. But he struggles against spin. That's why it's important to not scout the stat line really ever in the minors, but especially, especially in the complex leagues. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's where it's important to read the reports because even then it was apparent, hey, spin gives him trouble. And then I saw it Ranch Cucamonga, and then you just keep seeing it like, you know, there, there are some holes here he could be pitched to. Um, he's very talented with a lot to like, but, you know, there are things to, to be concerned about. Um, you know, if you want to talk about the negative outcomes, Wilman Diaz and Luis Rodriguez, two guys who were. Very high-profile international science got a lot of money. You know, Rodriguez during the shutdown got too big, started trying to be an all-lift pull power hitter. All of a sudden, he's a minor league left fielder with with power, but doesn't hit enough. It's just not a prospect. Yeah. Wilman Diaz has not hit at all, even when he came over. Um, you know, there's a red flag immediately of hey, there's there's some swing problems here, and they haven't gotten better. So, again, young guys, DSL. I mean. 16 17 year olds they can go so many different ways you know understand what the potential is but also understand it's going to take a while there's a lot of potential roadblocks and it's generally better to be more conservative with those guys rather than than run them up right away that's that's a great spot to end on so (laughs) i think we're going to end on that because that's great advice for all those out there who are looking at some of these 
guys doing great things in the DSL and thinking that's who I need to put on my the end of my dynasty roster. It's probably a good idea to maybe think about that that advice right there that you might be sitting on there for a bit. So, all right. Thank you, Kyle, for your time. And thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we will be back next week, and it'll be opening day already. So getting ready for the major league season. So we will sign off for today. Thank you all. Power prospects.